agree with it is going to be sidelined. And as I say, I was only the CDC director, right. and I was sidelined. All right, you have heard Dr. Robert Redfield make that statement both on uh, the Hill and in a number of interviews that uh, he was sidelined in discussions about the origins of COVID and, and giving his two cents that he thought it was coming from a lab and it was a lab leak and that Dr. Anthony Fauci knew it and tried to keep his distance from him and a distance from that argument that it did uh, all start in a lab, that COVID started there. You've heard everybody on this subject, including angry uh, members in Congress. We thought it would be a good idea to check in with Dr. Anthony Fauci himself. He joins us right now, the former chief medical advisor to the president. Dr. Fauci, good to see you. Thank you, Neil. Good to be with you again. So let me ask you about what Dr. Uh, Robert Redfield is charging, that you froze him out, that you didn't want him there, you didn't want him at these mm -hmm. meetings, and that was deliberate. You know, Neil, I really feel badly about that because I, I know Bob a long time. He is totally and unequivocally incorrect in what he's saying, that I excluded him. I had nothing to do with who would be on that call. That call was organized by a group of evolutionary virologists in order to discuss the possibility that this might actually be a virus that was actually engineered. So I didn't put anybody on the list of that call, nor did I take anybody else. So it's really unfortunate that in a public setting like the hearing that Dr. Redfield made that absolutely incorrect statement. The other thing well, he said that's interesting, then, doctor, Neil, who would he be said, on no, that but, call? did you decide to be on that call or did these other no, virologists? Neil, I just said it. I didn't have anything to do about the decision who would be on the call. The evolutionary virologist, Dr. Eddie Holmes, yeah. Christian Anderson, all of the others that won, they made the decision who's on the call. I didn't add anybody to the call. So you didn't know going into the call, you didn't know going into the call that the CDC director would not be part of that call. Do you think he should have been? Uh, well, I mean, retrospectively, it would have been okay to have him on the call, of course, but I didn't put him or take him off. And it's really disturbing that in a public hearing of a congressional hearing, he makes an accusatory statement that has no basis whatsoever in reality. But another point, Neil, that's important, he said in his own mind that he was kept out because he was of the opinion that this might be a lab leak. Half the people on the call were of the opinion that it might be a lab leak. So his rationale of why he thought he was excluded is an invalid rationale. So it's really unfortunate that he made those statements. He's a good guy. I've known him for years. I'm so, I mean, I'm just really a little bit disturbed about why he said that, which it was completely untrue. Uh, now the question is, did he perjure himself before Congress? And a lot of people, a lot of people, Rand Paul, I think, for one, Ted Cruz for another, uh, believe he did perjure himself. Um, with, uh, this will all be uh, be handled, um, you know, either either in the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee or elsewhere. But I'm going to tell you something. He, I, I think he's in some legal jeopardy. At least, at least from what I know, and the comments we've brought you on this show, um, I, I'm, I'm I'm becoming more and more convinced that he is in some legal difficulty. Uh, more from Dr. Fauci coming up. He was on with uh, Neil Cavuto. Uh, yesterday, and I wanted to make sure you heard that. Sometimes we, we gather all this material and we simply run out of time. And uh, I, I just I found it interesting 
that uh, uh, all of us all of a sudden now this guy who was the pillar of virtue and he was he was the law he was science don't question science follow the science and now all of a sudden we're saying well maybe he perjured himself before Congress maybe he lied. Maybe he lied. Uh, Big show today. Uh, Scott Hammond will join us, State Senator, District 18. Uh, He will join us coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, We are wrapping up week number five of the uh, 82nd Nevada Legislature. And Scott Hammond has just filed a couple of new bills. We'll find out what they are coming up. Also, State uh, State Assemblywoman uh, Melissa Hardy will join us, Assemblywoman from District 22. And Sigal Chatta. RNC National Committee woman for Nevada will join us. Uh, guess who's coming to town tomorrow? Senator, well, excuse, excuse me, Governor Ron DeSantis. And we'll find out what's on his uh, his mind, why he is coming, uh, because Sigal Chatta is going to uh, uh, be with us to uh, to fill us in. Uh, so we are a battleground state, and and trust me on this one, this is going to be a big speech tomorrow. He's going to be in Iowa, I guess, later today. And then come in here tomorrow. So it's going to be fun. Uh, Stay where you are. More to do as we continue on AM 670 KMZQ. famous Las Vegas Strip. I'm Bob Stitch with this KMZQ Sports Flash. This update brought to you by My Auto Service. In Tampa Thursday, the Golden Knights beat the Lightning 4-3 in overtime. Alex Martinez scored 309 into the extra session. It was the seventh time in 10 games since Vegas entered the NHL that they've beaten the Lightning. Jack Eichel shocked from the slot was stopped by Lightning goalie Andre Vasilevsky, but the puck slipped through his pads and Martinez poked it home. Jonathan Quick made 34 saves. Vegas and Los Angeles tied for the top spot in the Pacific Division. The Kings have won five in a row. Yesterday, they beat the Avalanche 5-2. The Nevada Wolfpack eliminated from the Mountain West Tournament. They fell 81-77 against fifth seed San Jose State. The Wolfpack were the fourth seed. It took overtime, but the Spartans advanced to battle top seed San Diego State today. UNLV lost in overtime. The seventh-seeded running Rebels falling 87-76 against second-seed Boise State. This update brought to you by My Auto Service. I'm Bob Stitch from the world-famous Las Vegas Strip with your KMCQ Sports Flash. Three people you should be 100% certain about. Your barber, your plumber, and your tax pro. Switch to Jackson Hewitt and you can be 100% certain about your taxes. We'll get you your maximum refund guaranteed and we'll back your return for life. Don't be kind of certain or almost certain. Be 100% certain. Switch to Jackson Hewitt today and get 50% off tax prep. Limited time offer for new clients filing at participating locations. Max value $200. Visit jacksonhewitt.com slash 50 for terms. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. KMCQ on time traffic. It's powered by Meineke Car Care Centers. Stop in now for a premium synthetic blend oil change for only $24.95. Meineke, doing car care right. Well, the traffic camp sees some heavy congestion right now on Interstate 15 southbound through those 24-7 lane restrictions between Spring Mountain and Tropicana. 
Also, slow flows on the Southern Beltway as we speak. 215 eastbound at Valley Verde, 215 west at the 15th interchange. Several crashes to look out for. Eastbound Bonneville at Main, downtown. Eastbound Sunset at Eastern Avenue. Get a fender bender Arville at Spring Mountain. And do expect some delays on Charleston Boulevard. You know that's a construction zone through there too. Both directions on Charleston. Those lane restrictions in effect for a while between Pecos and Lamb. Hi, this is Wayne Allyn for Jenny O's Huntington Jewelers. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, graduation gift, or any occasion for that special person in your life, you need an extraordinary piece of jewelry. Jenny O is the queen of color. She's a GIA graduate gemologist. She knows everything about diamonds and has a love and passion for rare, one-of-a-kind color. I'm a witness. I buy all my wife Cindy's jewelry, including our wedding rings, at Huntington Jewelers. We got incredible value, and we get nonstop compliments everywhere we go. It's my go-to place for all my jewelry and watch needs. For my listeners who visit Jenny O's Huntington Jewelers, you get a $500 gift card with your next purchase. Just tell them war sent you. Jenny O's Huntington Jewelers on West Sahara between Tanaya and Buffalo across from Mercedes. Jenny O's new second location in Summerlin in the Trails Village Center is being remodeled into an award-winning store. So be sure to visit the beautifully renovated Huntington Jewelers on West Sahara or visit them online at HuntingtonJewelers.com. What happens in Las Vegas gets talked about on Live and Local with Kevin Wall. Now, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 670 KMCQ. Talk radio done right. So good to have you with us on this Friday, March 10th. It is the end of week five of the uh, Nevada legislature and uh, joining us now from Carson City, Scott Hammond, state senator, District 18, who uh, joins us uh, from Carson. Uh, you have been busy this week, my friend. <laughs> yes, I have. Good to, good to hear from you, though. And I'm so sorry that I missed you on Tuesday, but here we are. Hey, I got to ask you, uh, you've got a number of bills that have already been filed. You've got another bill that's going to be presented on Tuesday, I think, of next week. Can you go through at least a couple of these bills, uh, they're all very common sense bills. They're not controversial, are they? Oh, I don't know about uh, controversial. I think they, they're going to be controversial, but they're common sense. Uh, you know, yes, I, I've had about four or five uh, bill presentations this week, uh, and I'll have one next week. I'll, I'll tell you the one that I, I, I really, really felt good about uh, this past week that I, you know, it's going to, it's somewhat controversial. It's, uh, we call them cameras in the classroom. And, uh, you know, you've been covering the news for many, many years. Uh, you know that uh, there are times when in some of the special ed classrooms in Clark County and Washoe County and in other districts, you're going to have some students who just cannot, they cannot speak. They're nonverbal students. And they keep having problems in those classrooms. So the common sense solution is let's put a camera in the classroom. Let's be able to show the parents what's happening when their child comes home and they've got bruises all over their arms, their face, and they want to know, you know what happened to my student. 
this is a common sense solution. We have a camera. We're, we're uh, going to video during the uh, time that the, the teacher is giving instruction. Uh, and then we're going to save the videos for a certain amount of days. And then if a parent is asking for it um, or something happens, they can then review the video. It's very limited in who has access to the video. Um, and then they, they can determine what happened in there. It just makes more sense to me because I think we'll, we'll actually save off a lot of the litigation that happens save the Clark County School District and Washoe County and other counties money because now we know what happened and uh, we can get any kind of, um, of litigation that it could have began. We could probably keep it from happening in the first place as long as everybody knows what's going on. Uh, again, that's SB 158, cameras in the classroom. Um, yep. can, can I assume uh, that teachers' unions will hate it, parents' groups will love it, and, and probably the school district uh, themselves will love uh, SB 158. Is, is is that the way it's falling? So um, here's what happened. It, it, uh, we have the hearing, um, and nobody comes in and, and says that they opposed it. Why? Because what happens is uh, they put a huge fiscal note. When any, any entity is impacted by a piece of legislation, they have the opportunity to talk to or put on what they call a fiscal note, meaning this is how much it's going to cost us if we do this. Uh, so Clark County, Washoe County, and every single one, you know, Esmeralda County, every county, uh, Lyon County, they all put on there how much is going to cost them for implementation and then going forward and, you know, future biennium, how much it's going to cost them. Well, a lot of them just stick these really huge fiscal notes on there. Now, what I've asked for is I've asked for an itemization. You know, how, why do you have a $42 million fiscal note on future biennium? It costs you less to buy the cameras and install the cameras, but in the future you're going to have to pay out $42 million every two years. I'd, you know, I'd like them to explain it. Um, again, I think that there's money saved on the back end because you're going to put a little bit of money at the front end because we're going to get rid of a lot of litigation, a lot of the lawsuits that cost millions of dollars. Uh, you know, in the last, uh, I think, one we saw it was nine, $9 million, $10 million that paid out. I can't remember exactly how much wow. it paid out, but this happens quite a bit. Um, and so we really, we, you know, uh, I, I think that we can actually save that, that kind of money by uh, putting the, these cameras in there uh, into the classroom. And, again, it's not every classroom. We're talking about maybe one, uh, perhaps two cl- classrooms in, in schools in Clark County, and maybe one classroom in, in many of the other areas. I want to ask you about an HOA bill that you've got uh, pending uh, to help consumers lower uh, some costs. And, and gosh, uh, you talk about common sense. Uh, everybody yeah. would like to save money. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that, that this is the, the like, no-brainer so far for me of the session. There's, there's some really good bills out there. For, for This is one that I'm bringing. And it's really a cleanup bill. You know, it's something I did in 2015 trying to clean up the uh, – uh, priority lien situation that was happening in HOAs. And one of the things that was created is that we allowed the property managers uh, to begin the collection process, uh, but they can only go so far in the process. So what happens is a, is a property manager files paperwork, sends out a letter, and in doing so, they end up charging uh, the homeowner about $700. That's the sort of the initial cost to, to, to clean, you know, to um, start the collections process. But again, they can only do a couple of steps. And then what happens is they hand it over to a real collection agency who has the authority to do the rest. They have the license and the authority to do it. And what do you think that that collection agency is going to do when they first send out the, the first letter? They're going to charge you $700. So right away, it's $1,400 to the homeowner. Well, we basically said, look, if a property manager wants to do the collection, 
then they just have to they have to get licensed just like a collection agency would do. And so now <clears throat> we're, we're cleaning it up so that that homeowner, if they're going through that process, is only going to get charged the first time, and they're not going to get that double dip. It just seems, you know, we, we saw the problem, uh, and we identified it, and we said that we can, we can solve this problem easily by doing this. And so that was the bill. I really didn't get any opposition except for some of the property managers. So we're working out some of the irons on that one. But the big one, Kevin, I tell you, this is going to be a fun one on Tuesday uh, because you got the, the chambers of commerce are all uh, backing this and almost every association, truckers association, retail association, you name it, they're all going to be here. We're going to be talking about third-party uh, funding litigation or uh, third-party litigation funding. That's going to be the big one on Tuesday. It's going to be a fun one to listen to. Explain what that means for people that don't know. Third-party so, sure. litigation. Um, yeah, so some of your listeners might remember you recently heard of uh, you know somebody on a commercial, uh, J.G. Wentworth, saying, hey, it's your money. Uh, basically, you won the lawsuit, but you haven't collected the money yet. We're going to give you the money now. That's one type of funding litigation. Another type is you know, somebody can't afford to have access to the court. They've got a really good court case, perhaps. And they just can't afford to, uh, you know, take on the big guys. Well, there's been a, uh, there's actually been a movement. It started in Australia, moved on to England. Of course, the United States, we compete with England for our legal services. I mean, we export a lot of our legal services. So we had to compete with the big law firms. Uh, Remember, law firms aren't LLCs. They're they're partnerships. And so they, they don't, they can't bring in money. Well, in Australia, they started doing that. They said, okay, tell you what, we're going to fund that particular case. We're going to give money so that that lawyer can then take that case to the courts, but we're going to have a contract that says, would, you know, we're going to get a percentage of the win. We're going to get percentage of the win, and, and there's other things that could be part of the contract. Well, you can imagine that's kind of messed around with the system a little bit, and so what we're trying to do, what we're trying to attempt to do is throw light on this whole process. So now we know. So the lawyers, the judges, the jury—they know if somebody is a third-party funder, you know, because before there there are people who are putting money into these litigations. They're sometimes funding a particular case. Sometimes they were funding a portfolio of cases, but nobody knew who those funders were. It was like dark money. They didn't know who they were, and they didn't know what the contract said. So let's say there's a lady who is. Um, suing for, you know, whatever reason, and the other side says, oh, we'll settle for a million dollars. We don't have to go to court. We'll settle for a million dollars. Well, all of a sudden, the lady rejects it, even though that million dollars probably would have been more than enough to settle the case, take care of whatever um, uh, bills she may have had. Why did she reject it? Well, if we had a chance to look at the contract, we would have found out that the third-party funder was requesting or demanding $600,000 plus 10% of whatever the winnings were, plus the, the, the lady who was suing would have to pay for all the lawyer fees. Now, all of a sudden, that million dollars, it wasn't enough. She ended up paying $70,000 out of her own pocket. So who gets all the money? The lawyers and the third-party funders. That's what we want to make sure we're getting on top of. And then, of course, the federal government, they found out that there's one other problem that's occurring, and that is other countries have started coming up with funds, like China has, I think they call it the CIC fund. They go around and they fund third party. They fund some of these cases. What's, why? What, what's the advantage to that? Well, 
when you're a third-party funder, you have access to the evidence. And let's say somebody is suing some company that has a military contract. Now they have access to all that information. And uh, that's, that's kind of stuff you want to make sure. Who, who are these third-party funders? We don't know who they are, and we don't know what their contracts are. What, what are they getting out of this? That's, that's, the, that's what we're uh, up against on, on Tuesday. And we're not saying, hey, we're going to get rid of this system because we understand it's going to be here to, to stay because it's kind of the way we're going. But we are saying that we need to have transparency so that everybody knows who's involved, who's putting money into the system. Uh, not too long ago in the, the city of Las Vegas, you had the uh, that Ponzi scheme that came up. Uh, a lot of those folks that were solicited for money, uh, they were being asked by this company to give money, and that money was going to be used in third-party litigation. I'm not saying that everybody who gets involved in third-party litigation is a Ponzi scheme wannabe uh, person. It's just that, that, that particular case was one in which I think if – the investors knew what they were doing that, that you know that, that that probably would not have happened but anyway that's that's what we're doing dealing with on tuesday uh give me your a sense uh we are moving through week five uh of of how everybody is playing in the sand the sandbox everybody playing nice uh and it, and at what point do the daggers start coming out well, I think everybody's playing nice, and I think actually the governor is doing a really good job. He's, he's, you know, a lot of people are going, well, how does he feel about this or that? And he hasn't said much, and that's probably not a bad idea. I mean, he doesn't need to tell everybody everything that he feels about, how he feels about it. So uh, as far as legislators, I think we're all trying to figure out what's the most important legislation that needs to get through. There hasn't been a, 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 you know, a lot of, of um, politicking, as it were. You know, a lot of people are just trying to uh, you know, come up with good legislation. So I'm, I'm very pleased so far. Things have been slow and things get heated up when we get close to the deadlines. You know, and everything's great up until one a year or two year or three or four or five year bills die. Then it gets a little serious. But right now, everything's going all right. More coming up with Scott Hammond, State Senator, District 18. Uh, it's all coming up on AM 670 KMZQ. seems to be in a state of confusion. Andy Vieira and Mark Thomas help you sort it out. Join the club weekday morning 6 to 9 on AM 670 KMZQ. Talk radio done right. I'm LaToya Silman from News 3. And I'm Jim Snyder. News 3 is digging deeper with daily special reports. Like prices in the classroom, reports that hold our educators accountable. News 3 at 6 every weeknight. Mike Campbell here, serial entrepreneur. With Patriot's accounting software, business owners can invoice customers, receive payments, pay bills, and track the money in and out of their company without needing a college degree in accounting. Meanwhile, the accountant or CPA can use complex accrual accounting rules to create accurate financial statements. Easy but powerful. Everybody wins. Keep your time and money. I'm attorney Paul Powell. If you get hurt in a crash, did you know your lawyer can take more money than you? You get hurt and the lawyer gets rich. Not very fair, is it? I promise never to take more money than you. Paul Powell. More lawyer, less fee. Some restrictions apply. My whole identity had been wrapped up in being a soldier. To have that so violently ripped from me when I was wounded, I was lost for a very long time. 
when Wounded Warrior Project came into my life, being around the other warriors, people that had similar experiences that I did, it was a game changer for me. Having King join the group, that was the beginning of a really good friendship. It's a, it's, a, it's a good time. I first heard about Wounded Warrior Project through CQ. And at first I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I qualify. But having been a part of it, it's kind of taught me that it's not just the wounds that you can see, but it's those that you can't. When you do something like a peer support group with Wounded Warrior Project and come together from different walks of life, man, the growth is incredible. If not for Wounded Warrior Project, I really don't think that I'd be here today. See how we help warriors combat stigma at woundedwarriorproject.org slash combat stigma. In Nevada, anything that goes into the storm drain goes directly to our local waterways, which can pollute Nevada's lakes and rivers. Nevada is the driest state in the nation, and we must work together to preserve our limited water resources for future generations of Nevadans. Here's some waterway wisdom so you can help do your part. Scoop your dog's poop, bag it, and discard it. Clean up yard waste and grass clippings. Wash your car at a car wash or on grass or gravel. Apply pesticides and fertilizers sparingly in your yard. Safely dispose of household chemicals. Clean up leaks and spills. And don't litter. Secure trash in bins. Keep contaminants out of our storm drains. Use waterway wisdom. And remember, only rain should go into the storm drain. Join us in preserving Nevada's waters for future generations by visiting loveenvywaters.com and following us on social media. This message funded by a grant through the Nevada Department of Transportation aired in cooperation with the Nevada Broadcaster Association and this station. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. The same great show with the same great host, just at a new time. Live and local with Kevin Wall. Now, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 670 KMZQ. Talk radio done right. Scott Hammond joining us, State Senator, District 18. Um, you mentioned deadlines. I know we got a deadline coming up. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, the next deadline, the next mile post, if you will, in this 120-day session? Sure can. So deadlines, we've got a couple of them. Uh, the first committee. So we have committee first, uh, you have committee passage, uh, which I believe is, uh, sometime in March. Uh, 21st yeah, is I, what I, 21st is what stands out for me. I think the 21st of March is like get to get to a committee. Or, yeah, uh, no, I'm sorry. It's April 14th is committee passage. And then the first House passage is April 25th. So 
So okay. what that means is that it's got to get through our house, and then it's and then it's sent over to the assembly. And the assembly, the same thing. They have to get it out of there and then back over here. So the 21st is the first committee passage. You've got to get it out of your committees. And then pretty much after that, we don't do any committee work for about four or five days. We want to, all our work is about getting everything off the floor and out of our build, out of our side of the building and over to the, to the assembly. Uh, I want to ask you as far as uh, the governor, and you touched on this, the governor's not saying much. Has he given us any indication on, on uh, any attitudes towards some of these more onerous bills that we're seeing from the uh, Democrats? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's given us some some direction. I mean, when we go over and we talk to him, uh, he'll give us some direction. It's, it's nothing public right now, um, and I think that's you know somewhat smart. Uh, he, he, I think he's going to come out with something next week, uh, but right now it's you know he's not said too much. But uh, when we go over and talk to him a little bit, we get some direction, as some idea of what he is thinking about, uh, and it helps us understand and craft where we need to be as legislators. So we are in constant communication with him all the time. Matter of fact, he called me into his office the other day. Uh, we we're talking um, cannabis, as a matter of fact, uh, a little bit of you know, talk about that because there's a lot of cannabis bills. And so just trying to get an idea of uh, where he's at with that. Do you get a sense of where he is? Does he support uh, cannabis legislation? I think it's the same. I, mean, look, I think I'm on the same page as he is, I should say. Uh, and that is uh, since 2000, we have made cannabis legal in the state of Nevada. And of course, then we made it recreationally legal. And it's part of uh, you know, the, the will of the people. And so even though I may not partake, uh, even though I may not even be a part of the industry, I do want to make sure that it is a very well-regulated, efficient uh, and safe industry for folks to engage in. And so um, you know, we're very we're cautious. We, we have uh, we created a CCB board, right, the Cannabis Control Board, uh, in, in hopes that we could make sure that everybody's on the same page, working together collaboratively with the industry, uh, making sure that best practices are implemented and that outliers are, you know, kind of forced to conform. Uh, and, and really that's, that's part of the whole idea of keeping a black market away from the public because we want to we want to mitigate uh the uh, ill effects of the black market we want to make sure people know where uh all this stuff is coming that's why we really believe in that uh, seed to sale kind of mentality we know where it was um, grown and where how it was sold and so forth and that you know so i think that he is very very acutely aware of the need to have really a good working relationship between the control board in the industry. Hey, Scott, 